Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will speak on why a king in the Old Testament would have to write a copy of the Torah. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. So in Japan, there are actually companies, matchmaking companies, who look for men who are looking for both a wife and to be legally adopted into a family in order to take over the family business where there are only daughters or, or where the father is looking for a more competent person. So you can actually see on these websites pictures of women who are looking for husbands, and some say that the man must have a, an accounting background so he can be adopted and take over the family business. Now, I want you to think of the father of the family family and the different stages that he goes through in this adoption process. First, because he knows what's on the table here, but everybody does, he meets the grown man who will become his new son. And then both of them take time to get to know each other, to learn everything they can about each other. He is learning everything about this person who will become his son, who will not just only become his son, but who will take over what he has poured his life into, the family business, the highest priority. Then, as he learns more and more about him in this process, he grows to love this grown man who will become his new son. And finally, when the day comes, he adopts the grown man with his own choice, with the knowledge of him, with the love of him, as his very own son to carry his name and to take over the family business. As you think of those steps, think of how emotional that is. Think of how dramatic the transition is from going from that first meeting of a total stranger, of a grown man, to then seeing him as a son, not just a son-in-law, but the son, the son, who will inherit what the father has poured himself into, the family business. That transition from being first introduced as a stranger is exactly what goes on in the king of Israel as he sits there. First the Levites, picture the Levites, the priest, they bring him the scroll that he is to use as the master from which he'll copy. And as he looks at that scroll, maybe it, think of it as, as being introduced to the full-grown man. And it's a stranger to him. But he knows what he's going to do. He's going to adopt this Bible, this scroll, this Word of God is going to become embedded in his heart with a love, a deep love. And so it's just like that. And so that was the reason why God told the Israel in Deuteronomy 17, 18, he says, it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write a copy of the law of the book out of that which is before the priest, the king. You know, the king was a very busy man. You can just imagine how many items were on his to-do list. He had the whole kingdom to run. Think of what he was responsible for. And everyone in his kingdom should be provided for. They should have food. They should have water. That overall, the economy was good, and the people were not selling themselves into slavery because they were being overwhelmed with debt. That was his responsibility. His responsibility was that with the trading, with the neighbor countries, that it would be positive and that his people in his country were not becoming indebted to them. 
that the defenses, the military defenses of this country were strong enough against attack from enemies, that he had a strong intelligence system so that he was always the first to know about threats, both internal and external to his country, to his rulership, that he was choosing, that he was spending enough time with faithful, reliable men who were going to work with him in the running of his country. He was responsible for that. He also had to take time to spend with his family. He had to make sure that his people were being faithful to God so that his people were not sinning and bringing on the judgment and wrath of God against his country. So all these matters of his own family, his personal life, domestic matters, foreign matters, all fell to him. And it was so easy for him to say, I don't have time for the word of God, just like with us. Just like with us. It's so easy, and we don't have even a fraction of the responsibilities of a king of Israel. But nevertheless, the temptation for him the temptation for us is the same. It's to say, I don't have time. It was very easy for him to say, I don't have time to spend with God. I am the king, and I have a lot of responsibilities. But God said to him the very same thing that he said to me in business, the phrase, you take care of my business, I will take care of your business. What was his business? The country. You take care of my business, I will take care of your country. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So with all his responsibilities, with all our responsibilities, God told the king that he needed to take time every day to go through an adoption process an adoption where the word of God would become embedded in his heart and it would be his word. And he was to write a copy of the word of God. How did he write the copy of the word of God? Slowly, carefully, thinking about each word, all the sentences, what they meant, what the implications of them were just like the father sitting down with the full-grown man who he's going to adopt. He's asking him questions about himself, and he's learning about him, and he's thinking about him, and he's listening with such an intensity, the father is, because he's going to adopt him, and he's going to take over the family name, and he's going to take over the family business. And that's the picture of how the king was viewing the word of God as he copied it, as a process of adoption. This is exactly the same meaning that God meant when he told Joshua, turn to that, if you have that handy, Joshua 1.8. Here, Joshua is being, the baton has just been passed to him. Moses has died. Joshua is taking over. And in Joshua 1.8, God says to him, this book of the law, that would be the Torah, the first five books of Moses, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now here were his instructions that was given to the leader of over two million Jewish people. 
Joshua. How busy can we claim to be compared to a man who was responsible for two million people on the move? How much can we say is on our to-do list compared to the man who had to move over two million people through hostile territories, conquering them region by region so that the people could be established, they could have their own land, they could have their own cities, and all along the way to make sure that they're cared for. That's a lot of responsibility. And to this leader, God said, I'm going to help you. You've got to listen to me because I'm going to give you the way. And also, let's not forget who Joshua followed after, Moses tough act to follow. He he followed after Moses. How in the world is he going to be successful as Moses? He felt the the weight on him. Am I going to fail all that my mentor Moses had done? And now he turns to me and he hands me the responsibility. Am I going to drop the ball? Is it all going to go to naught? And God says, just listen to me, Joshua, and I will help you along the way. And it's the same message that God has for us to be successful as well. And he said, First of all, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What does that mean? That means that if you spent any time with Joshua, you would not hear him talk about his last battle. You would not hear him talk about the strategy for the next battle. You would not hear him talk about where he has decided to camp down the people and the plan for the day after day. What would he be talking about? The word of God. Joshua would sit down with you and he would talk about God. He would talk about what Moses wrote. And that would be the point where you might say, say, is he really acting responsibly, getting all absorbed in the Bible when he has so much to do? And God said to Joshua, you bet. God said to Joshua, Joshua, consume yourself. Let let this consume you. Let you be absorbed. Let you be just drawn into, over your head, into the Word of God. Meditate on it. And he said, meditate on it day and night. Joshua, you take care of my business. I'll take care of your business. When did this advice come to Joshua? At the beginning of his taking over from Moses. That's why this verse is in Joshua chapter 1. And God gave this secret to Joshua on how to be successful and how to be prosperous. This was the yearning of Joshua's heart. He was just starting out. He wanted to finish well just like us. We start off in our life with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can start off so good, but there's a worry behind in our heads, and that is, how will I finish? Will I continue to have zeal today that I, that I had yesterday? What's going to happen? And because we know so well, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. And so Joshua says, how do I finish well? You know, that desire with the responsibility coming and you want to finish well, you want to do a good job for God. That's exactly how Solomon felt. Solomon, the son of David, when he took over from his father, King David, he wanted so much to be successful. He wanted his way to prosper. And God came to Solomon in a dream in 1 Kings 3. And it starts out with King David, the chapter starts out with King David telling his son Solomon, I'm about to die. 
<laughs> and he goes over with them everything that he's supposed to do. In other words, David is telling to Solomon, Solomon, get your pencil out, get your paper out. He says, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, because I'm going to die. How do you follow King David? How do, that's a tough act to follow. And in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 9, it says, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Imagine that. God said to Solomon, Solomon, tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what you really want more than anything else. And Solomon had spent this time with his father. The kingdom was being transferred to him, and he wanted to be a success. He didn't want to fail. And so Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. Imagine that. Here's the son looking at the life of his father, all the exploits that David had, all the conquest, conquering all the enemies of, of, uh, of, of the Jewish people of Israel. And when, and when his son, Solomon, looked at it, he looked at the life of his father, and he said, that was a life of great mercy from God. Great mercy from God. And then he went on and he said, And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given a son to sit on his throne. He sees himself and he says, I'm just continuing in the mercy of God. It was a great kindness of you, God, to let me, his son, sit on the throne. And he says, as it is this day. And then he makes his request. This is interesting. He says, and now... O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. That's how he saw himself. Solomon saw himself as a little child. And then he said, I know not how to go out or come in. What a difference from a person who would, who would in, in, inflate his chest and say, I'm up for it. You know, you can count on me. I, I, I can rely on myself. That wasn't him at all. Solomon says, I've been given this great responsibility, and I'm just like a little child. I don't know how to come in. I don't know how to go out. What am I going to do? But he is turning to God now, and he's saying in verse 8, And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. So this is the backdrop. He sees the responsibility. He sees that it's not just only something that David has given to him as what to do. He sees this responsibility as having come from God, what God is asking Solomon to do. He sees all this responsibility. And when he looks at himself, he says, I'm just a little child. I can't do this. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to go out. And when he looks at David and his success, he said, mercy of God. That's the explanation. And so in verse 9, here's the request. He says to God, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? He said, oh God, give me the heart of God. Give me the heart, give me the 
understanding of God in my heart so that I can understand how I'm supposed to judge this people. I, don't, I can't even figure out what's good, what's bad, but you know, God, give me that discernment so that I can see that, so that I'll be able to judge this people. Tom, today you spoke about the king having to write a second copy of the law or the Torah. What was the purpose behind the king having to do this? Yes, and I'm so glad you used that word purpose because it did have a purpose. And the purpose was that, of course, they didn't need the king to be a a copy machine. They had plenty of people that could have just written a copy of the law. The, The purpose for the king writing this was not so that they would have another copy of the Torah, of the law. It was the purpose was that so as the king was writing it, that he was crying out to God and he was actually in the process of seeing the law get written on his own heart. That's exactly what Jeremiah meant in Jeremiah 31, 33, when he says, and this shall be the covenant, that's the agreement, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. What was it that the king needed above all? That the Lord should be his God. How was he to be the best leader? In showing the people how the Lord Jesus Christ could be their individual God. That's what he should do. And how would he be the best leader? Showing the people how the Lord should be their God? By himself having the Lord as his God. And how is the Lord to be his God? By God's law being put into his inward parts by God's law being written on his heart. So as he's writing this copy, he's crying out to God, Oh God, as I write this copy on the papyrus, please take your your pen and write your law on my inward parts. Please write it on my heart so that you can be in fact, in reality, and seen you can that you will be my God and I will be able to lead this people to have you as their God and they'll be your people. That's the purpose. That's what Proverbs 7, 1 through 3 means. 7, 1 through 3 means when he said, my son, keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee, keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. You see, Solomon, and we are talking about Solomon when we're reading Proverbs, Solomon says, you need to write them also on the table of your heart. He's addressing his son. He said, my son, keep my words, lay them up, store them with you, keep my commandments and live, and my law as the very center of your eye. In other words, keep your eye on it and bind them upon their fingers and you write them upon the table of thine heart. That's why we memorize the word of God. That's why we read it over and over and over again. That's why we pray as we read the, uh, read the word of God. That's why we look for what the Lord is speaking to us in the word of God and grab that because as we do all of that, even as the king was writing the copy, we are in the process of also seeing the, the law of God be written upon the table of our heart. And speaking more about Solomon, today you also talked about Solomon's request for an understanding heart. Why did God love what Solomon asked for? Yes, because it's very interesting. 
And, and, and Solomon elaborates on it in Proverbs twenty two seventeen with these words, bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise. Apply thine heart unto my knowledge. Four points we get out of that verse. First, bow down thine ear. We cannot receive the knowledge of God. We cannot get the words of wisdom until we humble ourselves. That's why it says, bow down thine ear. We, a proud ear cannot hear God. A proud ear cannot receive the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of God. We must, number one, bow down thine ear. Bow down. In other words, humble ourselves. Second, he says, bow down and hear the words of the wise. We have to have an open ear, an open heart, really desiring to hear God's words, even when it means that God says, you're wrong, you need to change, here's the path of change you need to pursue. We need to keep our ears open, hear the words of the wise, be willing to let God change us. Third, apply thine heart. We need to say this is not just wisdom to put on the shelf. It's not just knowledge for us to store away in our memory bank. This is wisdom to be applied. This is knowledge to be applied. We need to approach the word of God and said, I am ready to put it to use. Apply thine heart. Last, the fourth point, unto my knowledge. We need to understand this is not the knowledge of Solomon. This is not the knowledge of, uh, uh, of, of wise men. This is the knowledge of God. God is saying, my knowledge. So what we're really asking for is, oh God, give me your knowledge. Just what Solomon asked for. Give me your understanding. Four points, bow down, humble ourselves. Second, hear, in other words, be willing to hear even if it means we have to change. Four, third, apply, in other words, actually come to the knowledge and say, I want to change my life. And last, recognize that it's coming from the Lord Jesus Christ, my knowledge. Proverbs 2.2, 2, Solomon says, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. That word incline, you can think of it like a plant. A plant will grow toward the sun. In other words, we need to grow toward wisdom. As we grow toward the Lord Jesus Christ, orient our life toward the Lord Jesus Christ, we then incline our ear unto wisdom, unto his wisdom, and as we said before, apply our hearts to understanding. Proverbs 18.1 says, Through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermittleth with all wisdom. This tells us it's with the desire of our heart. We want with all of our heart to find the wisdom of God, to find the knowledge of God. And we have to separate ourselves from the wisdom of this world. We have to separate ourselves from, from what the world says is pleasurable when it's sinful. We have to separate ourselves from what the world says it's exciting when it's in the risque. We have to separate ourselves from the thinking of the world which is without God. And when we do that with all of our heart and desire, we seek God and God says, I will be found of you. And then we'll intermeddle, as it says in Proverbs 18.1, with all wisdom. But 1 Corinthians one twenty identifies what wisdom is. It says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of, God, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. God has made the Lord Jesus Christ to be made to us wisdom. He, wisdom is a person. 
Wisdom is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he's not only the way, the truth, and the life, he's also wisdom. And so what we're looking for when we're asking for wisdom is we want to read more of those blueprints that, des- that describe the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to read more of the descriptions of him, of his character. That's wisdom. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, if you realize that all of this that we've been talking about, the wonders in Christ, the great treasure, has been lost by the Jewish people, by God's people, not just any people, but the people of God. And your heart has been touched by God, and you want to give your life to reaching them. We have a job for you. We have a full-time job for you in Southern California, in Los Angeles, Orange County, and San Diego, to bring the knowledge of God to of the, uh, to the Jewish people, to bring to the Jewish people their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the wisdom that they lost, the knowledge of God that they lost, the understanding of God that they lost. They lost it all. If that's you and you would like to reach them, we have a job for you. Please call us 1-800-247-3051, one 247 3051 Thank you for joining us today. Join us again next week as Tom Cantor will continue our study from the Bible as our foundation for our friendship with God. Now, as you heard Tom Cantor speak about today, Israel Restoration Ministries is looking for full-time couriers to take the gospel to Jewish people in the Southern California area. If you're interested in going door-to-door to reach lost Jewish people, please contact us today at 1-800-247-3051. Once again, that's one 800 247 3051. Maybe it's you or maybe it's someone that you know that has a heart to reach the Jewish people. So call us today. You can also call us for any Tom Cantor resources, materials, books, or videos at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us again next week at the same time.